Welcome to Rocktown Emergencies, a podcast that focuses on emergency services in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. It includes law enforcement, fire departments, rescue squads, volunteer and career, and others throughout the emergency services industry. Now, here's your host, Paul Helmuth. In this episode, we continue the series talking with retiring Battalion Chief Jeff Morris of the Harrisonburg Fire Department. He talks with us about the benefits of being a fire inspector, even for suppression personnel, as well as advice for those wanting to come into the fire service or move up through the ranks. In addition to being a battalion chief, you also work as an assistant fire marshal. So yeah. what, what, does that, what does that entail? Well, fire inspections is something that I've always been interested in, and I had an opportunity about uh, four years ago to take, um, at the time it was a four-week program through Department of Fire Programs, and the department was considering expanding the fire inspection program here. I think uh, the conversation was they were going to probably try to put on one more inspector part-time. So anyhow, by the time we got through with the program, that had changed from uh, adding one position to adding three positions. So they were going to add another part-time fire marshal or inspector to each shift. So I was very fortunate to get that. So you know, to answer the question, what that has done for me personally uh, it gets me in buildings looking at things I never thought about looking at before uh, as a suppression officer, uh, you know, looking at suppression systems, hood systems, sprinkler systems, you know, standpipe systems, looking at them in a totally different light, uh, having a much better understanding of those things now than I did back then. Uh, and above and beyond all that, just getting in buildings that I've never physically walked through, even though I've worked here for 30 years. Right. You know, so one of the things that I have that I've really learned from my time in the fire marshal's office is how important it is to get these folks out in buildings that they've never seen. And now we've, with the new training chief that we have, we've instituted what they call a first due Fridays program where Engine companies from, you know, Engine 23's engine will go out and they'll walk through buildings that Engine 25's first do. So we're getting folks in buildings that they've not been in before, you know, may not have ever had a chance to get in before. So it will definitely increase the efficiency of, of the folks here on the shift. And also, you know, from a safety perspective, if you've been in a building before, you have a better idea of what's going on where you are in the building if, if it happens to be on the fire. And I have to tell you, one of the big lessons I learned from that was uh, <clears throat> right after I came to Station 4, from Station 2, we had, um, we got toned for a, um, an automatic fire alarm at a restaurant downtown. And, uh, got there and it it turned out to be a whole lot more than an automatic fire alarm i think at the end of the end of the day we had went to a third alarm fire and you know pretty much gutted the place but the lesson that i learned out of that was how important it was to know your first due because 
uh, Chief Shifflett, who was the incident commander, walked up to me, and I remember kneeling in the street, and he walks over to me, and he says, how do I get a hose line to the basement? And I looked at him and says, Chief, I don't know. I've never been in this building before. And um, now in my defense, I'd only worked at the station a couple weeks when this fire occurred. But the takeaway for me was that would never happen to me again. And uh, as a company, we went out about once a week for years walking through different buildings, updating pre-plans for different buildings. So when it comes to the downtown district of Harrisburg, there wasn't a building I didn't know nothing about because the next time he asked me how to get somewhere in a building, I was going to be able to tell him. Well, and from a community standpoint, that's important to understand that when the firefighters are coming in and walking around your building, they're looking at the hazards that they can help mitigate to save someone's life. Yeah, it's, it's for an educational perspective. Through all these years, you have spent a lot of time teaching and training. Yeah, a lot. Started teaching, um, I think it was 1990. 1990 or 91, one or the other. And you started teaching Firefighter 1 and Firefighter 2. You did a lot of pump operations classes? Firefighter 1 and 2 and 3 at the time, they had Firefighter 3 uh, when I first started teaching. And uh, driver pump operator, uh, hazmat operations, those were the programs that I taught the most of. There were some officer programs, I taught some different officer programs, but predominantly I stuck with the the firefighting programs and the the pump operations and hazmat, because that's those are the programs that I enjoyed teaching most. With all of that, with a new firefighter coming in, what's a word of advice that you could give him to help him be a better firefighter? Well, I think if I had to tell a, a, a new person today coming in the fire service, um, I think I would just tell them just to just listen, watch the older firefighters, listen to those folks, you know, try to learn that way. Uh, one of the problems I see in today's fire service is we get folks that come into the fire service and for whatever reasons it appears like they, they seem to know more than they honestly do. Um, there's a lot of virtual training that's taking place now. And I think that virtual training has a place in the fire service, but it cannot replace hands-on training. No matter how they try, it, it's just, it just can't happen. You just can't teach somebody how to do a search by watching a video or how to set a 35-foot area uh, ladder um, to the third floor window to, to make a rescue. You have to physically go out and do these things. So, you know, but just to sit back and listen for a while, you know. Don't take anything for granted. Don't think you know it. If you have a question about something, ask. You know, I've, when I was the station commander, I always 
after a guy had been there for a while. You know, I'd ask him simple things like, what's the address to this fire station or what's the phone number to this fire station? You know, just, you know, things, just common knowledge stuff that the firefighters should know, but you'd been surprised at how many I really couldn't give you those answers. I, I was sitting in the fire station the other day and they were doing something similar. Uh, they were asking, what's the split at this intersection? Which hundred sure. block goes which way, which hundred block? And it was 50-50 whether they got the answer right. That's right. And, you know, the question came up is, with the change in education and how we're training new firefighters, are we missing something because we're focusing on one thing and missing things that do make a difference in what we do yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis? I think, uh, again, it sounds like I'm being anti-technology <laughs> based here, but I'm not. But it used to be that we used to go out and ride every street that was on the monthly test. You know, you had five streets and you had five pre-plans that was on the monthly test. Mm -hmm. It's been like that since, since I came to work here. And now I noticed that folks don't go out and ride those streets. They'll go and they'll pull the streets up on a computer. They'll look at the GIS program, but they don't physically go out and do it. So getting back to your question, when you're pulling out of the station going left or right, you know, <laughs> makes, a, it makes, a, makes difference. a whole big difference there, you know, especially if the computer isn't up at the time, you know. What would your advice be to a new company officer? Humility. I think humility would be the, my biggest piece of advice. It, and, and maybe I did the same thing as a, as a new lieutenant. But I think that um, as a new lieutenant, you need, it takes a, a long time to learn the job. You might think you know it going into it, but you don't. You know, so it, it took me a good year before I felt like I had a handle on what exactly a lieutenant is supposed to be doing here. And what it looked like in the end versus the beginning wasn't nothing alike. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Just, just, you know, humility. All right. And how about for your successor, whoever that is? And it doesn't have to be your actual successor, but someone who was, is going to replace you. Yep. What, would, what, would you, what would be your word of advice for them? My word of advice for them is, it's not about you. It's always about them. And them being the 22 other folks that's on the shift that you're responsible for. It would be the, the 54,000 folks that we serve here every day. That's what it's about. You know, if things go good, it's because your folks, the 22 guys under you, have done a good job. If something's went wrong, it's your fault, not theirs. Uh, so that is my advice. That has been my advice, and that is the advice I have given to this point of, to my successor, which he will do a fine job. What do you think the biggest challenge in the fire service is going to be over the next 
five to ten years? Well, I think the biggest challenge is, is one that we're facing right now is where do you find people that are truly interested in doing this work? Uh, you know, if you look around the country, it's getting harder and harder to find people that are truly interested in coming into the fire service. And coming to the fire service is different than going to work at any of the industrial plants, you know. To me, when you come to work in the fire service, you gotta have a passion for this job, you know. And I think that's one of the things that we're, that we're really missing out on in a lot of the, the, the people that's hired in the fire service. Now, I'm not speaking just Harrisonburg, but, but the fire service in general, people don't have the passion for the, for the job like they used to. And I, I don't know what the, cost for that is, honestly. Uh, but I definitely see it a lot, uh, you know, traveling around other parts of the state or even to other states and going to the National Fire Academy and, and talking to folks there. You know, they all see the same things. It's just, you know, the, the love for the job is not like it used to be. It used to be firefighters to come into Harrisonburg had to apply multiple times and they had yep. to come in with <clears throat> five, six, seven years experience often to be offered a job. Sure. And today, that's not necessarily the case, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're finding that in a lot of different industries. Yeah, you're right. It, uh, I think I have applied a total of three times, I believe it was, before I got hired here. Right. For someone who's interested in becoming a firefighter, what do you think are the things they need to know to come into the business? Well, you got to have a willingness to serve, you know. And, and I know people hear this all the time, and it's, you know, it, there's not just colorful words that we spout off here just <laughs> to make it sound as such but you know there's got to be a willingness to serve your fellow man uh, you know because a lot of what we do is not glorious stuff you no. know and I, I know people probably don't understand that but going out here and uh you know, pumping out somebody's basement or, or uh, you know, going to a medical call where, you know, somebody has just died. They've lost a loved one. There's, there's not much glorious about that. And I just think that, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever the, the, whatever the 911 dispatcher sends you on, you got to be willing to serve those folks, you know. We have a growing homeless population, for example, here in the city of Harrisonburg. Let's face it, a lot of folks don't like to deal with the homeless people, mm -hmm. you know? So you gotta be able to put aside the fact that this, this person here, they may not be the cleanest, they may not smell the best, and you gotta treat them just like you would anywhere, anybody else, right. you know? And, 
I am proud to say that the guys that ride on the fire engines here do a very good job of that. But getting back to the point, I think that's that's what we're missing in a lot of the new uh, recruits across this country. They're not so willing to, to do that. That's why a lot of them, uh, you'll see they'll join the fire service. They may go take the firefighter ones and twos, and they might go get their EMT. And they're here for a year, and then next thing you know, they're gone. They're doing something different in life. And yet it's not for everybody, you know. It just isn't. And there's no hard feelings if it ain't for you. So, well, Jeff, thank you for spending time with me. Yep. There, is there you. anything else that you think people should know about the fire service or what they do? Well, you know, <clears throat> I don't think it's anything new. I would like to reiterate the fact that, you know, the, the 69 folks that we have here in suppression that serve the city of Harrisonburg, they do an excellent job every day, every day. Today is no, no, no um, different. Today, on, on this shift, you know, they have saved at least one life this day, right. you know, already today. At least one, possibly two. I just want everybody to know what a good job they do here, what a good organization it is. It's well-managed. It has always been a well-managed organization. Their priorities have always been focused properly. And um, I've been fortunate to be here. Very fortunate. Blessed, I would say, to be here. (laughs) I want to thank Jeff, not only for spending time talking with me about his career in the fire service, but also for the guidance he's personally given me over the years that I've known him. If you liked the episode, make sure you give it a thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe so you know when the next episode drops. If you have suggestions for people you'd like to be interviewed or topics you want discussed, leave a comment or send me a note. Until next time, have a safe week. Thank you for listening to Rocktown Emergencies, a podcast focused on emergency services in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. You can follow Rocktown Emergencies on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps. If you want to email Paul, you can email him at paul at rocktownemergencies.com. Join us next time for Rocktown Emergencies and have a safe week.